going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn of the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at Will Paul Levin on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Another episode, had the first two episodes this week, uh, Monday Night Football, so figured drop it on a Friday instead of uh, instead of a Thursday. I think, I think third time on the pod, Rich Shimini of ESPN, uh, TOJ pod legend at this point. Uh, Rich, how are we doing today? Well, thanks for, thanks for calling me a legend. It's not true, but uh, it's always good to be on your podcast. I really enjoy it. Thanks. Uh, thanks as always for coming on. Obviously, it's been a insane season. You know, we talked before the draft and you were the only one saying edge rusher. So uh, give you some props there. But um, it, it's been a crazy year, obviously, the Rodgers stuff, but it's not just been Rodgers. It's been crazy Achilles injuries to like everybody on the team winning these last second games. They beat the Eagles in fa- a fashion we've obviously never uh They've never beaten the Eagles. You know, they beat the Giants in a game. They lose every single time. There's just so many different things that have happened this year. I guess we're no, it's November 3rd. Where, where are you at mentally covering this team? It's, it's insane. Oh, like you said, uh, with the Eagles thing, they were 0-12. Uh, so I've been covering the Jets. I think this is my 35th year. So I can say that's a first. I never covered a Jet win over Eagles. And then the Rodgers thing, really, it, it's almost been like two seasons. I mean, it really, it started back in March when the buildup for the Rodgers, really February, if you want to go back even further, the buildup to the trade and the trade. And it was just like this breathless excitement you know the hype and building and all the way up to the buffalo game and the pre-game was like nothing i had ever seen before with a jet game it was like a super bowl it really felt like a super bowl and i kind of had goosebumps myself i mean like this is going to be an awesome year to cover this and then fourth play you know it's just you you can't make that up and and then so it's really been like another season after that it's been like the post rogers and what's going to happen with Zach Wilson? Are they going to get another quarterback? And it's just evolved from there. And to their credit, you know, things are looking bleak at one and three. And I give them a lot of credit. You know, they've done it in some unconventional ways, but they've saved their season. And now they have a really big game on Monday night. Yeah, I don't I can't remember exactly who said this. So I don't want to miscredit anybody. But someone's like, there's a lot of weird, a lot of weird shit happening. Like the Jets net, like we said, the Eagles, like the Rodgers thing. It's a classic Jets. Like they would go on and lose that game. You obviously you know, covered, covered 99 when it happened with Vinny. And it was like, the season's over. And, you know, to their credit, as you mentioned, the season isn't over. They're like, not only in playoff contention, if they take care of their own business, like they could win this division, which I, again, it's probably a long shot, but like the fact that we can even talk about that's pretty insane. Right. I mean, I don't think anyone thought that at once Rogers went down. So they win that Buffalo game, and I think they were playing just on emotion at that point. So they pull that out, and then I think and they the kind of reality... have Buffalo's number a little bit. I feel like that's a well, they thing. Now, a apparently, they do now at home, but uh, and and they have Josh Allen's number is the number who they have. But uh, and then I think the reality sets in, like, oh God, we just lost Aaron Rodgers, and so they had a bad game in Dallas. They they played a bad game against the Patriots and they're one and three and you know I think there's some grumbling in the locker room for sure you know especially on the defensive side and uh, but like you said the, the, with the Vinny injury in '99 uh, that team went in the tank I mean they, even Parcells despite being a great coach he went in the tank I mean that team was awful what were they one and five or something before they won again so they were done early. And they rallied toward the end with Ray Lucas. This team, I thought, might take the same path, to be quite honest. And they've rallied. And they have a really good defense. Uh, I'm not breaking news there. Everybody knows that. 
they have a really good defense and that's kept them in these games. And if you hang around in the fourth quarter in these games, you have a chance to win. Yeah. Look, I, I'm on the same page with you. I think this defense is, I think it's actually a lot better than last year. I know statistically some of the numbers would say last year they were a better defense. They did face a lot of backup quarterbacks. It felt like they've done this against the guys. Everyone I think would consider the top five, top 10 type of guys. Again, you have to play this throughout the whole year, but like, it's kind of last year's team in a, a lot of senses, which isn't a bad thing. They were seven and four last year. Like they choked down the stretch. There's no, like they lost six in a row. Right. So there's no reason they shouldn't be able to make the playoffs with the roster as constant. Even if Rogers doesn't come back, like I, I don't, they have a lot of winnable games here. Um, are you surprised that I guess just the, that we're all watching last year's team in a lot of senses, right? I know, I know it's Lazard instead of Corey Davis and you know, it's Jermaine Johnson instead of Carl Lawson, but like, it kind of feels like last year's team, just like Quincy Williams and CJ Mosley are amazing this year to go with the DBs. And then you have the Bryce Huff, uh, you know, situation. like, I don't know. I just feel like they're a better team than last year, but it's at least a lot of the same team. Quincy Williams is better than last year. He's really good. And Bryce Huff is a better player than last year. They're even using him on first and second down now, which they didn't really do last year. And so I think uh, those guys are improved. Jermaine Johnson is a much better player than last year. He was just a minor guy in the defensive line rotation last year. And this year, I think he's second in, in snaps played among their defensive linemen to Quinnen Williams. And so he's a better player. And, uh, you know, the, the corners are the same. Tony Adams is a better player. So I think that speaks to the player development, you know, so the, the coaches deserve credit for that. And, uh, you know, offensively, you know, I, I agree with you, Will. I think the Jets have a chance to be a playoff team. They just have to get better offensively. I don't think this is sustainable, what they're doing. Uh, you can't go two for 15 every week on third down. I mean, they're historically bad on third down. And... It's it's just what is it eight touchdowns eight offensive touchdowns in seven games I mean that's it's not sustainable and if they don't fix it quickly they're going to be vulnerable to the same finish they had last year I'm not saying they're going to lose six in a row again that that's extreme but they are looking at a possible slippage unless they fix that offense yeah it's and there's a lot of blame to go around and I want to touch on the trade deadline in this game upcoming but. Look, I think Zach is who he is. I think you have a little bit of green blinders on if you think you're seeing a lot different player than last year. I think he's a more of a grown-up in the media, in the locker room. I think guys respect him more. I think he's got some more flash plays than maybe last year, and there's a lot less mistakes. I feel like, you know, when he – I mean, obviously the two fumbles last game, but it feels like he's cut down. The, I think he has one interception. That was the Sertan one, um, you know, since the Cowboy game. Like, that's all positive stuff. He completes most of the screens now, and – has taken less bad sacks again, but just like, let's be honest on third down and stuff like that. It's where he's struggling the most, the red zones third down and this team, they get the ball in the red zone. That's what I think is one of the crazier parts is you've covered it. You know, a lot of jets teams, there's a lot of Jets teams that have sucked on offense. The jets, yeah. like, I don't even know if they are, are terrible on offense. They just cannot finish drives and they can't like the two most important things. I talked about this earlier in the week. You know, on defense, everyone talks about yards per game and stuff. It's really third down, the red zone, and turnovers, right? And sacks. Like, you, if you hit the quarterback and turn the ball over, that's all that matters. On offense, it's like they do a lot of things, like, even average. Like, right, they have explosive players. It's just the red zone and third down. They can't get it done. And until they fix that, they're going to – every game's going to be 20 to 17, 16 to 13. Like, they should be better than that, though, on offense. The talent is – I, I don't 
it's frustrating. I don't know if for you, if it's the same concept, I just, I get a little frustrated because it's like guys are open or like, Oh, why'd you run the ball on third, you know, empty on third and one, like run the ball in the middle. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That was what actually, I mean, Brees Hall was open on that third and one play. That was that, that pass from Zach was like something out of last year, which he, which he has not done as much. I mean, he's, he's uh, improved his uh, short, range accuracy although he's still a 58 percent passer and that's that's not good enough for the nfl you want to be 65 or over especially in a west coast offense but uh you know you situational football though is so vital in the nfl i mean the teams and the talent levels they're so even and the team that plays better situationally is going to win and uh, I, the one thing that drive, one of my pet peeves is like when you hear a player or a coach say, we're close, you know, we're just so close to breaking through on offense. Well, that doesn't even matter. What does that mean? That it's like either you get it or you don't, you know, it's like either you get in the end zone or you don't. There's no close. So, I mean, they're they're padding Greg Zerline's field goal stats. So I guess maybe he's got some incentive bonuses that he'll be able to cash in on. But, uh, you know, close doesn't matter. And they have to be better in the red zone. You can't rely on Brees Hall to break 50-yard, you know, checkdowns and, and score on those or, or Garrett Wilson to break long plays. Uh, you got to get some more consistency on offense. But, you know, they are playing with a backup quarterback, and they are playing with a reshuffled offensive line. And so those are factors, but they should be better than what they are. Yeah, we, we heard Robert Sala talk, uh, you know, about 15 minutes ago, 20 minutes ago, whatever it was. Obviously, today will be a big day from a Joe Tipman perspective, Dwayne Brown. I want to get to that in a second. I just want to ask on the trade deadline. We saw some moves around the NFL. We saw teams like, you know, the Giants basically kind of pull an NBA move. They basically bought a second round pick, right? They took the cash from Leonard Williams. We saw the, you know, the commanders unload. Are you surprised? I didn't think the Jets would be crazy busy at the deadline. I thought they'd offload you know Carl Lawson I still don't really understand like they were shopping him in the draft they were shopping him all year it's like I just don't really know why they didn't kind of save some money and get a pick there and then the other one the other two things is I know they called on all these receivers I just feel like I don't know I feel like a little it felt like a lot of window dressing of like see we tried um and then an offensive line an offensive line like I would have rather give up a six round pick for Ezra Cleveland than sign Roger Saffold. I, I know people don't want to hear that, but like, I just figured a guy who's played decently, you know, well this year is 25 versus a 35 year old. I just, yeah. I was in are you surprised at all with how the deadline unfolded? I know you guys kind of all talked about in the beat that like, don't expect a lot. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Lawson and Cook, uh, I didn't really feel confident that Dalvin Cook would get traded just because of his, you know, the salary. The I was going to say, isn't it a salary he gets paid like weekly cash? It's like $300,000 or $400,000 a week or something. Yeah, it's like three hundred a week. You know, he's got to be active. Uh, they wanted to make it more incentive-based. But, uh, yeah, Lawson, I thought there was a chance he'd get moved. Um yeah, uh, again, uh, over three hundred million. I mean, three million left on his salary this year, and the guy's done nothing. I mean, so I think teams were looking at that. But I still thought, being like a twenty-eight-year-old edge rusher, it's a premium position. I thought someone would offer like a twenty, twenty-five seventh-round pick or something. I thought Joe Douglas was going to be a little more aggressive at the trading deadline. But what it, I think, maybe he learned a lesson last year. I mean, last year. Brees Hall gets hurt in Denver. The next day, boom, James Robinson trade. It's done. Everyone's applauding Joe Douglas for being aggressive. 
He trades for a guy who's damaged goods. He comes over with a knee injury, and he's got nothing in the tank, quite apparent, you know. And all of a sudden, Bam Knight is playing over James Robinson. So I think this year, Joe Douglas is like, you know what? I'm going to rely on my roster. We put together a good roster in the preseason. I'm going to rely on guys like Xavier Gibson and Malik Taylor and Joe Tipman to carry us through. So I think I think uh, that was the philosophy. As for the calling the receivers, like called Devontae Adams and Mike Evans, it's like I think the Jets wanted that out there just to let people know that they were trying. And maybe it was to let Aaron Rodgers know that, you know, we were trying too with, with Devontae Adams. But I look. I can call Rayos to try to get a reservation. That doesn't mean I'm going to get it, you know? So the Jets were calling the Raiders. They had a, about as good a chance of getting Devontae Adams as I have as getting a reservation at Rayos. So I think I think that was window dressing, like you said. Yeah, I think I think Devontae, it's always kind of been the, this upcoming offseason, the way his money works, the way the Raiders are. You're going to have a new GM coming in. They're likely going to offload a lot of those expensive veteran players to kind of restart. That's what teams always do. It makes more sense from the Jets' perspective, too. Like, right now, they don't even have real control of their first-round pick. I mean, they could have went to the Packers and probably figured something out. But, like, the Packers don't owe the Jets anything, right? So, I, I think Devontae's a Jet in, in 2024, but I just didn't feel like this year. I felt like I just personally would have said, can they bring in a Terrace Marshall for a seventh-round pick? And, hey, at least he's done some things in the NFL, and maybe you get lightning in a bottle for four weeks as opposed to a Randall Cobb or someone like that. But again, I get your point, too, where it's like, how much is that really moving the needle? Yeah. I guess not much, right? And these guys love their draft picks. They do. They, they, they're they yeah. obsessed with them. Yeah, I think they only have five right now, right, for next year. Yeah. So, like, yeah. so uh, and then they'll, they'll have to give up their two eventually to Green Bay. And, um, yeah, they like their draft picks. And... I think Joe Douglas, I think it was just relying, going with his roster. They bring in a Roger Saffold. I have nothing against Roger Saffold. He's had a long, distinguished career, uh, but he's coming off the couch. He's 35 years old. He's got to learn a system. Now, he does know the O-line coach, Keith Carter, and him have some background in Tennessee. Uh, he can play tackle and guard. So, you know, maybe in a few weeks he'll be ready to go, but – you know, it's it's not going to be like an instant uh, instant situation for him. But uh, yeah, I, I I thought he could have been a little more aggressive at the deadline, but I also see what he was trying to do with the roster. I want to I mentioned kind of Robert Sala talking about the offensive line. It's obviously I think the biggest question going into Monday night. Obviously, this is a huge game for the Jets. They're playing an interconference opponent, somebody they're going to be competing with for a playoff spot. This is a home game. They've actually been really entertaining and fought in prime time, and they've been really good at home outside of the Patriots game. Um, Salah mentioned this is a big day for Tittman. It's a big day for Dwayne Brown. Uh, I guess for Lake and Tomlinson as well, although I don't really have – I don't. I think that one's kind of more of a – I don't really worry about a guard's hamstring quite as much as as, <laughs> as a receiver or quarterback or anything like that. My gut feeling – and tell me if I'm off base. I might be more optimistic. My gut feeling is Monday night they go Brown, Tomlinson, Tittman, Mitchell, guard, and, and Beckton at tackle. So they kind of – they reshuffle everything. They That's probably their best five. I just, I don't know. It's like hard. They have no chemistry. It's, 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 I feel bad for a lot of those guys too. You just don't know other than Lake and everyone's playing different spots all over the place. Maybe more people should appreciate his durability. He's got a long streak going of, of yeah. games played. So uh, yeah, I watched Lake and yesterday in practice. Uh, yeah. Yesterday. And he was off to the side, but he was running around. And so I don't have any doubt that he's going to play. I agree with your three interior guys. I do think Tipman will be ready to go this week. I still think Dwayne Brown's not going to be ready. 
uh, I think Makai will be at left tackle this week, and I think you'll probably see Billy Turner at right tackle. Uh, that's just kind of, you know, gut, you know, educated guessing type stuff. But uh, Brown is, you know, I just don't think he's he's quite able to take on the full load a little bit. I think they'd like to get him more than one week of practice. Um, we'll start. Now that one, we may not know for sure until uh, they don't have to make that roster move until Monday, you know, Monday afternoon. So we may not know until about four hours before the game. Yeah. It, I think I just looked Lincoln Thompson's started 126 straight games, which is really impressive in the NFL. Um, I, I think we kind of Jason Kelsey, obviously I think he's like the in like the one eighties, but um, you know, interior guys you get beat up a lot it's not even like a <laughs> you're not even in a fun tackle type of spot there's guards and centers you're just clashing heads day after yeah. day it's <laughs> you know we just jinxed him right you know yeah, no, he does. Uh, now he's definitely not playing he's gonna i'm gonna get a text from him nice. like dude come on man yeah uh, <laughs> yeah no he's actually played better this year i think he's he's playing better and um so that's that's a good thing and I, like i said i do think tipman will be back and uh you know right guard uh i agree with your mitchell uh, projection there yeah it'd be interesting mitchell has been better in the run game anyways so i think maybe that'll be something that you can hope um i don't know how great of an athlete he is a tackle so you know we'll yeah, see there what do you kind of make of this matchup um you know i mentioned obviously the jets on prime time it's weird like every year i feel like the jets always were terrible in prime time and then they the one o'clock games they kind of hit in now it's been totally the opposite i actually feel like their worst two performances have been that like sunday one o'clock uh you know window this is an exciting matchup, actually. I think it's, you know, it's a shame the Jets used those white uniforms already because that and the yeah. Chargers powder blue would have been beautiful. But instead we get the uh, the crummy, crummy white ones. But what do you make of this matchup? It's a really good matchup. Um, of course, I'm a little biased. You know, we have it on ESPN. So it's, I think it'll get a really good rating. And uh, the Jets have been a, a must-watch team, even without Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, they'll have a lot of shots of Aaron on the sideline with his headset on and throwing before the game and doing all that stuff. Uh, maybe Aaron will be running 40-yard dashes this week. I don't, you you know, say he might week... be jogging. I've, I I have a feeling we're going to get some jogging on uh Yeah, on, we've on gone night. from uh, throwing to doing a little drop back. Uh, you know, maybe we'll get a little jog in there. So uh, good for him. You know, I know the players talking to a bunch of players this week. They're, they're really, uh, they pumped when they see that on the sideline. But as for the matchup, um, you know, a really good defense in the Jets against the defense in San, Di uh, San Diego. I knew I was going to do that. The uh, Chargers that have given up a lot of passing yards. Uh, I think they're 32nd in the league, and they've given up a ton of passing yards, 2,000 passing yards, I believe. So a little bit different there. Uh, you know, Herbert, I mean, he went through a bad stretch. He had a three-game stretch. You know, he obviously had the middle finger fracture on his left hand, but I think it was still affecting him in his ball handling ability. But he did have a good game last week against Chicago, so maybe he's turned it back. He's a dangerous guy to have to be aware of him. Eckler. Like uh, like Jeff Albrecht said, Eckler is the you know the engine that drives them. Uh, Keenan Allen will be a really interesting matchup for the Jets. He's a really good slot receiver. They move him around, but he's he's good in the slot. So you know, big one for Michael Carter the second. And so this is a I picked the Jets this week. Last week I had the Giants winning, and if you asked me with 24 seconds left if I would have doubled down on my bet, I would have said absolutely. I'm taking the Giants, but credit to the Jets and Zach Wilson for pulling that out. Uh, this week, I do like the Jets just being home, having the extra day. I think, you know, the offensive line 
that's the one concern because you know the Chargers do have some horses up front, you know, on the edge with Mac and Bosa. You know, that's gonna be it's gonna be an issue for the Jets. Probably have to use a little more two tight end. And they've been using that anyway. You know, they've been using more two, even three tight end stuff for a while uh this year. I think it's more of a uh, hackett thing. So, but I do like the Jets winning. I think I picked a fairly low scoring game. I think it was like 23-16 or 20-16, something along those lines. Yeah, I, I'm, in, I'm very intrigued by a couple of different things here. I think the Chargers play a lot of soft zone, and Kenneth Murray in the middle of their defense is uh, is the weakest link. <laughs> and if the Jets... Were gonna, I thought there was a chance they were going to trade him. I but, know. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, I did too. I would have <laughs> I would have been addition by subtraction. Um, but you, you watch, in, you know, when they play Miami, they play some of these teams. He just gets sucked up in the um, play action really easily. And the, I think they're last in the NFL in missed tackles. This is a big, like, every game's a big Brees Hall game. But this is one of those, like, more of what they did against the Giants with that, you know, little – they did against the Eagles, too, just get Brees one-on-one as a pass catcher. Tyler Conklin's probably going to have a big game here, him and Ruckert, I think, as well. Just, like, give Zach some quick – I just like Zach to get the ball out of his hands quicker. I feel like it's a lot of, like, we're getting back into the old, like, him running around back there, and those are the bad habits. I I know everyone likes to see the flashy plays, but it feels like this offense operates a lot. In the Kansas City game, it was, like, one, two, three, boom, balls out of his hand. I, I'd like to see them get back to that. Um, you mentioned on defense, I – this is – again, every game's a huge Quincy Williams-CJ Mosley game, but if they tackle well – like, if they tackle Eckler well, they'll be fine. I, I just – that's the one concern, right? I feel like you probably would sh- say the same thing. It's like you can't let Eckler start bouncing off tackles and getting six, seven, eight yards a pop. That's when you're – he's going to get 15 catches. It's just a matter of how many yards he gets. Oh, you make a really good point on Brees Hall going back to the other side. I actually asked Hackett that question yesterday because Hall, I think, has 11 catches in the last two games. And, of course, had that – you know, turns a little check down into uh, 49 yards of yak uh, uh, last week against the Giants. I think he could be a really interesting uh, player in this game. They, I asked Hackett, I said, are you using him? He's catching more. I, I go, is that by design? And he goes, it's kind of a combination, trying to get him the ball a little bit out of the backfield, but it's part of what the defenses were playing. So I, I would watch for Brees Hall in the passing game. He could be a factor. Yeah. Do you make anything of like, the Jets kind of they're feeding Garrett Wilson something last year it felt like when Zach played they didn't even get Garrett the ball at all now it's like they're feeding him so much and I know Lazard's had his drops and you know there's a lot of issues but I feel like they're kind of almost it's like Zach looks for Garrett every play and if it's not there like everything kind of breaks down I, I don't know if that was just a Giants thing but it feels like when it works it's awesome but like as much as I'd love to see him get 13 targets a game it's great I, I just kind of worry too of like is Zach getting in that mold where it's like Garrett's not there, like plays dead? I, I don't know how to explain it. I just I felt like watching that Giants game back. It, that's what it felt like. Yeah, they need another. They don't really have a clear cut number two option in the passing game, and and Lazard has been, uh, you know, he hasn't quite lived up to the expectations. He's know, what he was it. during camp. You mentioned it during camp, and I know everyone got mad about it, but he didn't drop a lot of balls during camp too. Yeah, I think the Jets as a team have eleven. That's according to our ESPN stats. Our guys are, tend to be a little more conservative. I think other people may have a higher number of drops. I think the Jets are at 11, which is, I think, in the top 10 in the league. So they've been dropping too many balls. Even the running backs have had a couple of, you know, Michael Carter's had a couple. Uh, yeah, they don't have that number two option. They really don't. That's why I, you know, that's why I'm on board with, you know, what you said. I, I think Devontae Adams will be a Jet next year, and then they'll have um, Garrett and uh, Devontae. That'll, that'll <laughs> be fun. Pretty, 
and a pretty good tandem for sure. Who wears number seventeen? That'll be interesting. Uh, but no, actually, Wilson will probably go yeah, back. Yeah, I to think he said he's going to change the five. Then what, what is yeah. Morstead? He's the best player on the team. What does he do? <laughs> yeah, Morstead is. I mean, you're a, he's having a fantastic year. He is uh, the players usually punt. Usually, players don't give a crap about the punter. I mean, you talk to players in the locker room, and they don't even know who the punter is sometimes. But these guys, Morstead is 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 the dude in the locker room. I mean, he he has a lot of respect. I think because he's been around the block a few times. Uh, what he did on Sunday was phenomenal. You know, three inside the five. And you know, wins special teams player of the week. So he's he was a really good pickup. They probably should have kept him a couple of years ago when they brought him in for that cup of coffee when Braden Mann got hurt. They probably should have kept him, but he's a really good story. Zerline's a really good story. Uh their special teams have been really good. Um, and so, but to me, it just comes down to the offense. I mean, are they gonna show a pulse and you know, we were in the press room yesterday. We were sitting around trying to name the last time the Jets scored four offensive touchdowns in a game. And so they were, we were struggling. We thought maybe it was the Miami game last year at home where they had, I think, five rushing touchdowns in that game. Yeah, but, just, I was just trying to think. I'm like, I don't. Yeah. I mean, this is the NFL. When, when you can't score four, when you have to strain your brain to come up with a game where, where, where they scored four touchdowns, that's not good. So yeah, this was, is, Michael Carter scored two. Yeah, that was four. They scored four that day. Okay. Was yeah. Four. So yeah. it's 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 hard to come up with that, and that's not a good thing. <laughs> Obviously, I we have to touch on Rodgers. We mentioned it a little bit. Um, I, I know I try not to be, like, overly, like, I don't want to be delusional here. I think it's, like, important we keep in mind, like, he could have a setback in rehab and this, this whole thing could be kind of for not, and he's going to be back next year and probably in 25 now because he missed this year and whatever. That's all like really exciting stuff and something to talk about for the future. I, if he stays on track, I would be really surprised if he's not back Christmas Eve. I, I just feel like it's, there's so much like, maybe it's too early. I don't know, but like, he certainly likes to dangle a carrot as we mentioned, but like, it feels like there's so much momentum towards it. Douglas, I really feel like Joe Douglas slipped up when he, when you got, you guys got him and he was like, oh, yeah, we expect him back. And he didn't like finish his sentence because it feels like, I don't know, it's the way Aaron's talked about it. You ask people around that like no Aaron and he's like, he like he's really genuinely serious about this. If they're in it, he'll be back. Um, I don't know if he's like the fact that he's even doing dropbacks. I felt like we were a couple weeks away from that. And the fact that he was doing that last week. Am I crazy? Like, is it crazy to expect him to be back? This, I mean, it's crazy to expect him to be back. That's a stupid question. But everyone's talking about Christmas Eve. Like, where is where are people coming up with that? You know, like, why would you know? And then they play four days. Yeah, that's later, the by that's the, the one because it's a home game. But then would he want to play on that turf again? I guess I don't know. Yeah, then he has to go to you know Cleveland on a four day week. So uh, I don't think I'm sure in his mind he has a you know a, a date where he'd like to get back. Um, it's going to be the it's going to be the story in the NFL in in mid December because I think he'll be activated for practice. I think they'll open his window at some point. Um, I think they'll give him that carrot. I don't know if he's going to be back on the field. Um, I've talked to a lot of over these last couple of months. I've talked to a lot of doctors, experts. They don't think it's wise for him to do that. I mean, five months is kind of like the low. I mean, anything under five months would be unprecedented for an NFL player. Cam Akers did five months. And, of course, he was a running back. 
So you think if a running back can be back in five months, why can't a quarterback be back in less? Um, it would. So if he, let's say for your argument, say, let's say he's Christmas Eve, he's got to practice for a couple of weeks, right? So you're saying he's going to start practicing around December 10th, 11th to come back. Um, that That's a month away and he's not even jogging yet. So he's got to be really careful. Now it's going to be interesting if his doctor gives him the clearance and, you know, what will the Jets do then? I mean, the nightmare scenario is that he re-injures it and then next year is screwed. So it's a really, the easiest part would be replacing Zach Wilson. You know, yeah. that that's like the, I'm down on the lower end of the ladder in terms of like the importance of all the decisions they'd have to make. But if he's pushing to play and the, his doctor, Neil Elitrash out in L.A. says he's good to play, uh, are the Jets going to tell him no? You know, is anyone going to stand up there and say, sorry, we're not going to do it? I, I don't know. I still think it's a long shot that he plays this year. But I can tell you this, it's going to be a juicy story come mid to late December. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, the way I think a couple of things he mentioned this week that'll be the big test is like he mentioned he's starting to get back into cardio and stuff like that. And like those are the things that are more important to watch is like how he's moving. And he mentioned and I actually respected that Aaron said this because I thought it was important. Like, like I said, I know I joke about how he likes to dangle a carrot and then take it away and then put it back on the table. He said, he mentioned, he's like, if I can't get to outside zones and I can't run around the pocket and do these things, he's like, I'm not coming back because it's not fair to me. It's not fair to the team. Like, he's been good about a lot of the stuff he's saying. I know everyone thinks he likes the attention, which I'm sure he does, but I also don't think it's like a harmful. I just think it's a harmless, like, I don't know. He's, <laughs> he's been the most famous guy in the state of Wisconsin for 20 years. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's interesting with Rodgers. You think he's, and I'm going to write about this in uh, for Sunday. I think his presence is actually helping the Jets. And, I do too. Yeah, and and I was, you know, being the cynical New Yorker that I am, I thought when this first happened, I thought this is not going to be a good thing having him around because you know it kind of undercuts Zach Wilson's leadership, uh, having injured play. I'm I'm from the old school, like Parcells when when he had an injured player, he didn't even want him around the team. You know, like they were separate. He didn't want the players to see the injured player because it felt like it was a psychological crutch for them. And but I think it's actually the opposite in this case. I think Rogers' presence does have an uplifting, uh, you know, uh, impact on the Jets. And I think it kind of gives a carrot to the team. It's like, hey, if we can hang around in this thing until the end, we got a chance to get our guy back. And I don't know. Someone asked Zach Wilson uh, on Wednesday about that. I, and I think it, it was a little bit awkward. And I think maybe he was taken aback by the question a little bit. But he gave, you know, a very diplomatic answer. He said, I'm not even thinking that far down the road. But obviously, he, okay. <laughs> I, he, yeah, he'd be hurt by it. I mean, if he got the Jets to like seven and six and they're in the playoff hunt and it's like all of a sudden, Sorry, Zach, you know, Aaron's our guy. You're going back to the bench. I'm sure that would be really, really difficult for him. Um, but uh, it's it's got so many interesting layers. It's a fascinating decision. And we're going to obviously be reporting and writing a lot about it coming up. It'd probably be one of the craziest, if not the craziest football story I can remember. I, I, I'm just like, this is never, we've never seen this. It's We've never yeah. seen some of this profile in New York. I just think everything is like kind of a doing what me and you both do and you know, a lot of people do like, this is like a dream of like a story. It's like, and it's a positive story too, which I think is like cool. And we have all these negative things in the world yeah. going on. It's well, like, 
Well, one thing I would note, though, I don't think he was moving like the old Aaron Rodgers, even in training camp and even in that Buffalo game. You always uh, don't you wonder if like that calf injury he had in the spring, like if it kind of wasn't fully either healed or it kind of strained and like that could have helped contribute to that know. popping. It could be. I mean, he's had a history of calf injuries. Now, I think it was the other calf earlier in his career, but uh, this was the same calf that he hurt in, in minicamp. And I remember OTAs, and I remember everyone kind of downplay. You know, it's like, oh, it's just a strained calf in June. It's no big deal. Um, well, we don't know. Maybe it. Maybe there was some cause and effect there. We don't. We just don't know. But. Uh, you know, from talking to Vinny Testaverde, who went through it, I know he's amazed by the rate of recovery for Rodgers. I mean, Vinny, I mean, he was on a scooter for, you know, for several weeks, you know, before he could move around. And it was, and his happened the same, you know, opening day. And so there was never any thought. Now the medicine is better, you know, has improved. I mean, he's doing this thing that they didn't even know back then, the blood flow restriction training while he's lifting weights. That definitely helps. There's so, you know, he's got a hyperbaric chamber that he's using. He's got all this sort of modern stuff. And uh, and he's got an intense desire to come back. He's a really competitive guy. And and he he doesn't want this to be his story for, for the 2023 season. He wants to change the ending. Yeah, I had, a qu- I had two last quick questions here. Um, do we know who AVT got the surgery by or if he got the surgery yet? He had it. I think. I think it was, he's rehabbing in uh, the same place as uh, oh. Rogers is. Okay, yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah, that was actually one of the interesting things too. If you, anyone that listens to you know Rogers on McAfee, of him talking about how like some of these different surgeries, like it's for different body types, and he was kind of honest. And I'm sure some people got annoyed by it. He was like, "You kind of have to be willing to do a lot of different stuff and affording to go to these certain doctors and training facilities and being away from family and doing all this stuff." Um, that's not to be, a dick, I wonder but, if, uh, yeah. I don't know if I wonder, I think he's doing a documentary, which, will, yeah. you know, the whole thing will be chronicled. Um, and I'm sure it'll be really cool. And I'm sure I, I would be willing to bet knowing him that he's doing some stuff that we don't even know about. Uh, yeah. did, like Kobe went to Europe, didn't he? To get yeah, some, like, they, talk, blood, they, blood they asked, um, they asked Jordan Palmer who trains a bunch of quarterbacks, Carson Palmer's younger brother. And he said a lot of these guys and Rogers in particular got it. Like there's a lot of stuff in Germany that's, you know, whatever medicine that's cleared there. And there's a lot more regulations here in the U S and he said, like, he's pretty sure Rogers, I don't mean, again, I don't know if it's true or not, but he's pretty sure that Rogers got some stuff that kind of like him and the Kobe did and like a mixture of a Kobe and then Cam Akers and kind of like, yeah. And you can afford it. So, you know, I, yeah, that I wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, if he did it, there's nothing illegal about it. I mean, yeah. um, but uh, yeah, would not shock me at all. Lastly, I, again, I don't buy the rumor that came out this week about Corey Davis. Did we ever like find out? I've asked so many people, and I've not gotten a single answer. I, I've never experienced that. Uh, do we ever know what went on with Corey, or like if the Jets have tried to bring him back? Because again, I, it was like an NFL rumor account, so and everyone, of course, picked it up. Which I stay away from those accounts; they're usually wrong. Um, but. I'm sure the Jets would take Corey back in a second. What like do we ever are we ever gonna find out what happened there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've heard a couple of things that I'd rather not just yeah. put out there. Just to uh, you know, I don't want to create rumor. I have heard rumors that you know about coming back to, uh, you know, nothing substantial. I've tried to reach Corey. He might be the hardest player uh, to reach of anyone I've covered. He's just 
he's reclusive. He's really private. Um, so I, I have a couple of ideas on why he left. I'd rather really just keep that to yeah. myself because I don't want to spread any any bad rumors or anything. But, um, you know, he didn't use the word retired when he left. Uh, he's only, what, 28 years old, you know, and I know his body had really taken a beating the last couple of years. Just uh, on, I think he had surgery, you know, had that groin injury like two years ago and had some knee issues. And, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I I know we had a baby in the off season, so you know his life changes, life changing stuff, maybe factored into it. Uh, you know, I think the Jets would take him back, but uh, yeah, at this point, if we'll see, I, I wouldn't totally rule it out, but I think there's a lot of rumor out there now. Yeah, it's just funny. A lot of the same complaints about Corey Davis from last year. Alan, yeah. Lazard, Alan Lazard gets now. Um, last question. And I've talked a lot about this with, with Bryce Hoff. I, I just don't really get the Jets' approach here. I'm not sure. Like, they should have extended him last offseason. He would have been way cheaper. Now you've waited. You know, Rashawn Gary got paid, so there's some type of – he's not going to get paid the same as Gary. But it's a lot of, like – I just don't – you know, he said there's some informal conversations with people. I can tell you I, I've heard there's not been much of a conversation at all until Joe said that the other day. Um, what's – like, why not – work on that i know they spent a ton of cash and i'm sure that's probably going to be what you're going to mention is the cash for quinn and aaron and stuff like that but it just feels like this is the perfect guy you extend they did it with jfm they even did it with barrios and other guys he's a homegrown undrafted guy that you developed and he's the most important second most important position arguably you know on, on the team what what are we doing here it's, it's week nine like should have extended yeah. him. he wants to be here like i don't get it yeah, I mean, uh, they they feel. I guess they feel. I, I didn't want to keep him. I mean, there's this is not a situation where it's like, oh, you know, we're gonna let him go. We don't want to. We don't want to re up with him like Jamal Adams. You know, they just didn't want to pay him that. I, I think they want to keep Bryce Huff as well. They should. He's a good pass rusher. Uh, Jeff Ulbrich just yesterday calling him one of the best pass rushers in the league, and he goes, I don't think there's any argument with that. So obviously. Huff's agents are going to be taking note on that and presenting that at the bargaining table. And yeah, you're right. Informal talks, that could be like, um, they, they might have been having a conversation about another player and, and Joe Douglas might have said, oh, by the way, we'd like to get something done with Bryce. And, you know, that counts as, I guess, an informal talk, you know, so I don't think they've had any really substantive negotiations yet. Um, Douglas tends to be more reactive than proactive when it comes to these sort of contracts. Um, like he waited Quinn and Williams after the fourth year before doing it. And so the cash, I mean, I know Woody has that, that's the word in the building is that Woody's tapped out for this year and that he doesn't want to, you know, with between all these contracts he's given out with Quinn and Rogers, um, he'd rather push it off to the offseason. That could be a factor as well. Um, I do think they really want to keep him. Would they franchise him? Uh, that's going to be a pretty big number for. Yeah, I think it's nineteen. It's nineteen point eight million. Yeah, year. that's. I'm sure Bryce Huff would take that and see probably sign up. I looked at the market. I mean, I think the floor would be about eight million a year, and, he, and he's probably looking for something like closer to thirteen. Where you look at some guys around the league and what they've signed. He's not going to get Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary's like. Uh, like a three down player Huff has played more on first and second down, but still primarily a third down player. 
And um, so I think somewhere in the eight million to thirteen million a year range is probably what they're looking for him. But yeah, twenty five years old, absolutely a homegrown guy. He's the guy you you want to keep. And you know Lawson's gone next year, so you're going to have JFM and Jermaine Johnson. We still don't know what what Will McDonald is yet. I mean, we what's he going to be? And you, you want to have that fourth defensive end. And so I think it makes sense to keep Bryce Huff. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I I've, I was doing a lot of like what Josh Uche will get paid up in New England. A very similar guy who's a pass rush specialist. Yeah. You look at a Shaq Barrett, like you you just you, if you're the Jets, my biggest thing is like don't have Sha- the Shaq Barrett thing be, oh someone else picked him up and then he had 18 sacks in a year and won a Super Bowl. You don't want to have that situation. Alex Highsmith mm-hmm. will be an interesting uh, number. He had 14 sacks last year, but hadn't really had like a a large number of sacks before that it'll be interesting what bryce finishes on this year like he's again, not in that category no I mean, not yet I mean, Bry- no, bryce yeah. has only averaged about three sacks a year yeah so. that's what i'm saying it's all about the yeah. numbers right i mean alex High smith nothing nothing 14 sacks you can negotiate a much yeah. larger deal obviously appreciate you hopping on as always yeah. um hopefully hopefully we get at least a rogers practice window open for for the sake of uh <laughs> the sake yeah. of fun um but appreciate well, it always. Yeah. yeah that'll be the big big story but uh we'll see and the, and the jets have to do their part too will you know they gotta they gotta win some games here to stay in it otherwise it becomes a moot point yeah they gotta be in it um and if anything make it so like it's a challenge you know zach's job should make it a challenge and that, they're gonna bench him if rogers comes back but at least make it a little more interesting than it would be at, at the moment yeah. um what do you have coming out uh this week i know you mentioned you got some, some working on some stuff i know you had the quincy article i think last week yeah, we had that. Um, you check it, you know, my flight deck, po- flight deck podcast. Uh, and then uh, Sunday, you know, and then Monday, I have an interesting story just on the uh, the Jets uh, version of their core four uh, story on their 22 draft class and uh, kind of an in-depth look at those four guys and just how they're um, really carrying the team now. You know, without, uh, without Rodgers, those four guys like Hall, Wilson, et cetera, you know, have really stepped up. Yeah, no love to, to Rucker. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh-huh. I appreciate it. I appreciate you hopping on as always. Uh, I'll be back Monday. I'll have a quick, uh, you know, quick thing on Monday, and then we'll be back Tuesday with a full recap of the game. Everybody enjoy the weekend, and we'll talk to you guys uh, on Monday.